Good morning, Mission Vineyard. Good morning, those of you who are here. Good morning, those of you who are online. It's great to have an hour of time that we set apart every week and we just focus on God. We just let him be the center of all the things. We welcome him into all of life, and that is our mission here. Our mission is to welcome Jesus into all of life. Uh, today uh, is going to be special in the sense that last week I, I warned a little bit that our sermon today is probably going to be PG-13. So uh, we've got a special classroom upstairs for kids that uh, are not ready uh, for PG-13 stuff. And, uh, and so after worship, Mylon Maymar is going to be guiding guys upstairs, those of you who are uh, ready for... Uh, less than PG-13 activity. There's a great movie that's ready for you after worship, and so he's going to be right here by the curtains guiding people upstairs. But for the rest of us, we're going to be down here hearing from God's Word about all kinds of things uh, that are PG-13. So if you would, stand with me, and let's just begin in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that you are here with us. Thank you for being here with us. And so we just say a simple prayer this morning, come Holy Spirit, we open the doors of our hearts this morning in the hope and desire that as the doors open that you would come in as we welcome you into all of life. Thank you, Lord. So we have a special surprise for you this morning. Some of you, it's not a surprise. I've been talking about it as much as I can. This is my friend, Melissa. I've known her. Well, I'm not going to tell you how long I've known her. But um, we actually were friends in college. And um, she's got a master's in worship and, like, her bachelor's in missions, all these amazing things. She's just blessed my life. She's actually my weekly accountability partner. So I've asked her over, and she's going to help us lead this morning. And I have a new song for you. So you get lots of new things this morning. Okay, so let's just start. This is a series on love and real love. So let's just um, proclaim that his love never fails. Sound good? Wow. And you can clap, too. Yes.
When all I have is just a whisper, you breathe in me a new song. You take me back, and I'll remember the joy of my first love and praise.
back into that chorus um, where we're talking about how praise is our song and we can't contain the love of God in, in our lives. And I just saw this prophetic image while we were worshiping and taking communion. God's love is always surrounding us. And that's what, something we say in the song is that his love is always there. We cannot contain it. But sometimes we have to take a step, an action to receive it and embrace it. And I just saw this image of a child, a toddler size. Um, and I'm sure some of you are parents. I'm an auntie. And children go through these phases where they don't want to be snuggled. And they don't want your constant attention. And I feel like in this image, I was seeing a child that was just being a little resistant to its parents' love. But that love is still there, whether the child wants to be snuggled or not. But how beautiful and sweet is it when that child comes up to their mother or their father and just lifts their hands up and says, pick me up, mama, pick me up, daddy. And I feel like that's us with God sometimes. That love is always there, but sometimes we're a little resistant. 
So I would encourage you today, whether that's in a form of posture of raising your hands or kneeling before the Lord, or even just in the sentiment of taking communion, Christ's body in you, respond to God in this song as we go back into it and say, Papa, I'm here. I embrace your love and I receive it and I acknowledge that it's always surrounding me. Do you mind putting up? There, there's a whole team of people actually praying for you before the service this morning, and there's a, a couple of words that they felt as well, and I just felt like it went along exactly with what how God was speaking to Melissa this morning. And so, God's saying to you, "Look to me. I've got you. I'm your protection. Ask. Your trouble's not too big for me. I see you as a beautiful flower unfolding in many layers of love and revelation." So, again, we take a risk with every word that we say, asking God, what are you saying? How could you be loving the congregation? And in that risk, we just, we ask for more of his love. So as we just continue playing just a little bit more, Holy Spirit, would you show us how you see us this morning as your children? Would you show us how much you love us? what you paid for cause through your death our lives reborn the joy of our salvation
every once in a while we take some time to recenter on the Lord and his kingdom. And there's a prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And it's called the Lord's Prayer. And it's up on the screen in Spanish and English. If you would pray with me right now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. God, yours is the kingdom. It's all about you. We welcome you into all of life this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Bruce, are you here? Where's Bruce? Bruce, are you here? Are you on? Bruce is amazing. We love Bruce. Hey, good morning. Um, yeah, so I was really amazing, like the worship. And uh, yeah, really thanks for, for the worship team. Um, so, morning, everyone. So my name is Bruce. Um, as, as, as John introduced me. Um, so if you are the first time come, I, I think I see a couple of people come over the first time and then some of the faces for like a few times. So I, I'm really honored. I'm still, we're honored to just have you with us and just worship with us and just, just be part of this. And uh, um, so if you are the first time come um, uh, visiting us, uh, we, have this, we have this bag. It's, called, um, just, um, it's a gift for us uh, uh, from us to you guys. We have, uh, inside it has like a thing called mana bag. Uh, there's basically, it's a thing. Sorry, it's kind of hard to do. But like, uh, basically, it's a thing like with some essentials. And we just want to, um, we put things um, in the back and then want to um, give back to the community, want to bless them. So that's like some like waters and some essential stuff. Um, so if you're first time come, make sure that check with um, uh, Carol or Lucy. And, and there's are the bags are on the corner of the table. So make sure to grab one. And there's also a connection card there. If you just feel free and um, feel as much as comfortable that you want to put some information there. If you put an email, we have um, a weekly newsletter and we can just uh, just make sure, uh, we'll, we'll not spend you and just send you some information of church, what's happening, what's gonna happen next. So just you know, catch up with all the uh, information here. Um, Going to next, uh, we have Alpha uh, Wednesday on 6:30. So this is like, yes, yeah. So this is this is our this is gonna happen to our third uh, Alpha, and then this has been amazing. And uh, so uh, if you if you want to come, this is gonna be happens on Wednesday 6:30. On um, every Wednesday 6:30, we have food and childcare, and uh, the place we gonna meet. Um, let's see if it's there. It's not there. It's called TriPoint. It's like San Mary and 281. Um, you can you can come back to me if you want the, this uh, location-wise or John. Yeah, um, we all yeah, we meet uh, weekly and it's it's been really amazing again. Um, going to next. Um, uh, be, because we have Alpha, so our weekly uh, small group is like taking a break, but uh, monthly small group we're still meeting. Uh, if you are, um, so let's say, a youth, we're going to have youth after church. 
Yes. And then um, um, if you're 6 to 12 grades, you are more than welcome to join us. And uh, we also have hiking in two weeks. So that's going to be next Saturday. So make sure to write on your calendar of youth. And then, yeah, just join us. It's going to be amazing. We're going to go hike somewhere. Um, come, going to next, uh, just, I just want to pray really quick for the offer that we have. So Lord, we're just uh, thankful for all that you give us, all the resources, God. Pray that you give us the wisdom um, and always keep our hearts to follow you and seeking you more and just uh, give us wisdom to know how to best uh, use this resource to get back to the community and serve other people and loving others. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks, Bruce. Thank you. Wonderful. Well, hi. My name is John Arelli. I'm senior pastor here, and it's an honor to be with you this morning. Uh, Bruce got us all going, so now I really have to keep us going, right? He was amazing. Uh, I, I told us last week, and I mentioned at the beginning of the service, that this is a PG-13 sermon. And so uh, for those of you uh, who are uncomfortable with the topic of sex, then this is a sermon that we have a movie set apart for you this morning. Uh, and so Mylan is there, and Mylan's taking Elias and some others uh, that are ready for their uh, awesome movie for this time period, you're welcome to go with Mylan, and I'm going to continue in a sermon that is specifically about sex, and as single people, as married people, and for those of you who are adults that wish you could go with Mylan, I'm sorry. <laughs> We're in a series called Real Love, and it's hard to talk about real love in our society without talking about sex. It's not a sermon that I've been looking forward to talking about. Because it can be awkward, especially with all the societal opinions that are going on. But it's also one that I feel really honored and humbled to be able to preach. Uh, it's a sermon that I've been preparing for for a long time. And uh, so if it's really bad, then you can tell how bad my preparation is. I'm going to be reading a lot of it because I want to make sure that I say what I say. And I say what I mean. And I mean what I say. Uh, you may hear something different. And that's okay. Communication, especially around this topic, can be very sensitive. Uh, you may be coming with different opinions and experiences, and at the end of the day, what we want you to know as a church and as followers of Jesus is that you are dearly, dearly loved no matter where you're coming from. You are dearly, dearly loved no matter who you are. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray right now before we get started in these words that I feel like you helped me prepare that your voice and your spirit would go forth to be the leading that we need in this area, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead. Come, Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, as a youth, <clears throat> I grew up in a really uh, interesting time where I was never really introduced to sex in any way except through church. I was really thankful for the small group that I had and uh, all kinds of things like True Love Waits and uh, uh, opportunities where we could hear about what it means to not have sex until you're married. But within that, there were also some different distortions that I picked up in my loneliness where I heard about sex from the outside. There wasn't any place for me to be safe and talk about sex. And so I pretty immediately ended up misleading my sex life pretty early on 
uh, as a teenager and pornography and, and all kinds of things, and uh, it was not helpful. It was not helpful at all. And it's taken a lot of years to begin to talk with Jesus and process with Jesus and go through counseling and have accountability partners and live a life of authenticity and vulnerability in a way in the hope that what God has done through me in my sex life could be an offering back to him that could serve others. I'd much rather he be glorified in my previous mistakes, in my previous sexual misleadings. I'd much rather he be glorified than for me to just think that I just need to keep quiet about it. Because the truth is, is that God is the creator of human sexuality. God is the creator. He's a big fan of sex. He created it. And because he created it, he has intentional purposes behind it. He has design. He has, he has focus. Like fire, it has the power to help create life and sustain communities. And like fire, it has the capacity to destroy lives and leave lasting burns. There's a whole book of the Bible dedicated to sexual love, and it actually uses the word fire as the analogy for sex. You could say that talking about sex is like playing with fire, and I hope that's not what your perception is this morning. But like everything else God gives us, we can either use it in his plans and surrender and obedience to him, or we can use it for our plans and surrender and obedience to our own plans. We're going to be looking at a lot of scripture today because the Bible has a lot to say about sex and especially the dangers of using people for our own pleasure through sex. Sex is meant to be a place where two separate people become one whole person. Sex is supposed to be a reflection of God's plan for full unity between people of the opposite sexually born gender. This is God's plan. I want to begin at first in Genesis chapter 2, verse 23, where God speaks about his plan this way. And the writer, he's writing from Adam's perspective, at last the man exclaimed, the one, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She'll be called woman because she was taken from a man. This explains, the writer says of Genesis chapter 2, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. There may be some of you who have gone to different places where you felt naked and felt no shame, but here is the place where God designs that there is nakedness and there is no shame. Could you imagine that the writer is talking with God and going, God, they were naked and felt no shame? God, this is weird. Do you know that humans dress up for everyone except from time to time when we're naked and feel no shame? in front of our spouses. We're the only creatures that can. Did you know that? The husband is joined with his wife. The two are united in one. God has created this space where sexual intercourse is the actual physical and emotional uniting of a man and a woman. 
It is the place where we are made to feel no shame. No shame. Because our nakedness and sexuality are protected by union. Where two become one. Man and woman become one. And so we're dressed up today and we're dressed up for good reason. We're dressed up as a reminder that parts of our lives demand a complete commitment and trust in order for us to be completely disclosed. That's why we dress up, and that's why nakedness and sexuality is for this purpose in this one place where a man and woman have become one. The blessing of this oneness is that it produces life. Genesis 1, verse 28 says, God says, be fruitful and multiply the earth. And so it's a beautiful expression of how this union, perfectly matched, and this intimacy is experienced in a protected marriage where the husband and wife become one, and they get to be part of filling the earth with other people. Now, for those of us who maybe you feel like, oh, well, I did it right. I saved myself for marriage. Or maybe there have been some mistakes or some, some sexual misleadings. We get to a point sometimes when we get married. And I know that there are some in our church that getting pregnant and having kids has been difficult. And so we think, God, I'm doing it right. I'm married. This is what it's supposed to do. Why aren't you making it easy for us? And my wife and I experienced that exact thing in miscarriages. We thought, God, come on. Isn't this the place where it's supposed to happen, where it's supposed to be okay? Why don't you give us what we've always wanted? And this is exactly why we need to talk about sex, because sex is not about getting what we want. The point of following God's plan for sex is to fulfill the most vulnerable unity that humans can experience in marriage. Sex is meant as a support and not as the point. So that when we go through hardship as married people, there is a protected, safe place to endure the kind of traumas, to endure the kind of hardships that normal people endure, especially in marriage. It's a helpful part to experience a whole life unity where two separate people with their own desires and ambitions can lay them down. Everything that we've wanted, sex is that place where we lay all of our desires and ambitions down and surrender them to God's plan for this kind of faithful nakedness, not just physically, but in our entire life. Marriage can be that place that is protected and unified to the point where a husband and wife can be completely naked and feel no shame. There's an author, his name is Mike Mason, and he writes in the book, The Mystery of Marriage. He says, if the heart is not naked along with the body, then the whole action becomes a lie. Marriage is meant to be the united place of naked bodies with naked hearts, And oftentimes, we have one without the other. And marriage is that place where that faithful commitment unites them both. You see, sex demands real love that unites 
our entire life. I'm going to say that again. Sex demands real love. This is sacrificial love. This is God's design of love. This is God's example of love. Sex demands real love, and what it does is it unites our entire lives. It's not the thing, but it's a help in uniting our entire life. There's a pastor, his name is Rich Nathan. He is in Columbus, Ohio, and he says it this way. If you're not married and you're having sex, you aren't sharing your whole self. If you're not married, you're not sharing with another person all of your money. If you're not married, you're not sharing with another person all of your space. If you're not married, you're not sharing with this person all of your time. If you're not married, you're not receiving this whole other person. If you're not married, you're not receiving all the other person's problems. Every problem that they have, all of their debts, all of their family problems, all of their pain, all of their flaws. If you've not sworn total commitment to this other person, And if you've not received total commitment from this other person, then you are treating sex like a consumer good, like an economic exchange. You are saying, I want the product, I want the pleasure, I want the enjoyment, but I don't want all of you. In fact, that God gave us sex to be this place of vulnerability and unity tells us that sex is not just a physical act. It's not just a commodity. We're not just touching each other's bodies. Because we are whole people, sex is a very spiritual act. As the writer Paul talks about a church, he talks to a church in Turkey, he reminds them of this and associates their sexual behavior with their holiness. Holiness, that designation of being able to be in the presence of God, carrying God's presence. He says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. He says, God wants you to be holy. So you should keep clear of all sexual sin. Then each of you will not control your body. Then each of you will control your body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. Sex is a soul-connecting act. The way we treat sex affects the places of our lives that define how we relate with God and others. It defines us as we relate to God and other people. God wants us to be holy. God wants us to be living in ways that don't get in the way of a shameless and vulnerable life with him and other people. The more that we can practice that kind of vulnerability in marriage, the more we can practice that kind of vulnerability, uh, we can treat one another and it has a practical effect on the way we view and relate with God. But more than that, the misusing of the gift of sex, Paul says, and having sex outside of marriage and outside husband and wife relationship creates soul bonds. It creates soul bonds with other people. I was going to bring a piece of cardboard this morning. It's, it's often uh, the image that I have of that unity. If you tried to take a piece of cardboard and rip it apart, it never rips evenly. And then if you try to glue it to other cardboard and rip it apart again, the pieces keep getting stuck to one another and stuck to one another and stuck to one another. The disobedience from God ways, God's ways is a sin. The sin itself creates a separation between us and God. 
Paul goes on to talk about how pagans, not just people who worship the earth, you might think of paganism today, but it's really just anybody who says that I am God. I am my own decider. Pagans would decide to go along with their own lustful passions. So what's a lustful passion? Let's talk about that just for a second. Lust has to do with our belief that other people only exist for our pleasure. Lust is that moment that says, in my mind and in my heart, I am treating and I am able to treat the other person solely for my own pleasure. Lust, at its root, says that my pleasure has a higher priority than your wholeness. My desire for sexual release has a higher priority than your vulnerability and your ability to have full unity with God and another person. Lustful passion believes that sex is more powerful than wholeness. That sex can satisfy us. It depends on that belief, that lie. It is a lie. Sex cannot satisfy us. Sex does not complete us. Sex was not made to complete us. We cannot become whole people through sex. It is a lie. Lustful passions happen in everyone, married and unmarried. Because of my experience in pornography, it's been a continual struggle to be able to clear my mind and welcome the Holy Spirit that my mind and my heart and my eyes would see what God sees instead of my lustful passions. And so I actually have an accountability partner. I've continued to have an accountability partner and different ones as people move on. I intentionally create space for my own vulnerability so that my marriage can be protected for what its purpose is. For those of you who are curious, and if you guys and women, if you're taking pictures of the screen, I don't blame you. That is not a shameful place. There are questions that we intentionally ask one another in order to be accountable to this place of keeping sex where God desires it. And because it affects our whole wholeness, the questions are not just about sex. They're about everything. The questions we ask each other on a regular basis, it's either every week, every other week, sometimes every month, are you struggling with sexual purity in any way? Have you seen pornography or anything in a TV or a movie that you shouldn't have watched? Have you done anything sexually that you shouldn't have? Are there emotional attachments forming with someone who's not your spouse? Have you handled your money and financial dealings with absolute integrity? Have you experienced any breach in any relationship? Are you at peace with everyone? Have you forgiven everyone for everything? Are you experiencing intimacy with God on a regular basis? The God who loves us, the God that actually gives us what we need in order to be whole. The God who feeds the need that often drives our sexual desire. We struggle each one of us, I think, because our society has misdirected sexual desire away from its intended purpose, the purpose of partnership with marriage. Our society has made it more like a medication. We medicate ourselves against the inner needs, the inner sufferings that we often feel, the loneliness that's real, the frustration. We've often turned sex into a place of just being satisfied. 
And because we medicate ourselves, it often keeps us away from processing the inner suffering that we feel. We believe it will feed our needs even when we don't understand what our needs are. And some of us have given it such a high priority in our lives, it's burdened us like religion, like we need a release every so often. But just like money, sex can become the root of all evils when it's misplaced in our lives. Instead of looking to sex when we're bored or restless or empty or if life isn't working or, or we need to feel better about ourselves, Jesus comes to us. Instead of looking to this thing that becomes a God and its own religion in our life, Jesus comes to us. The real, alive Jesus. And this is what he said. This is from Matthew 11. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out? Come to me. Come to me. I know your sexual desire is pointing to a need in your life that can't just be satisfied by sex. Come to me. Get away with me. And look what he says. You will recover your life. Let me speak that over us all. With Jesus, as we come to us, as, as Jesus comes to us and we are burnt out and we are fed up and we are torn up and Jesus says, come to me and you will recover your life. And instead of being satisfied by secondary things, Jesus says, I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn from the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus was the most free and whole person. He is. Jesus is the most free and whole person in the entire universe. And he's never been married. And he's never had sex. In fact, the whole mission of Jesus is to reach out to those who have been hurt through lustful sex. Many who have been called unclean by society. Many who have become outcasts. Many who have become hurt especially by religious people. Jesus' mission was to go out to them specifically, forgive their sin, set them free, and make them holy again. He does this through his cross, just like the song we sang about. Through his blood, Jesus died as a blameless and holy man, and he became sin. For us, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. So that we could be made right with God through Christ. We often struggle with the need to make things right on our own. And it is the Western imperative of pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. But here Jesus is saying, would you come to me, especially with this most intimate and wonderful thing I've created? It is so good. Do not let it be misused in your life where then you begin to carry burdens that you're never supposed to carry. Sex is made for public, permanent, and ultimate commitment. 
Because when sex is wrongly expressed, it does public, permanent, and ultimate harm. Sex outside of God's purpose hurts our ability to connect with God and others. But Jesus takes our sin, especially sexual sin, and when we decide to follow him and surrender our sexual desire and lustful passions for his plan, we exchange it for his plan for us, he forgives our sin in our lives and the brokenness. He makes it all clean and he heals the harm. He heals the harm in a way that allows us to be fully connected with him and fully connected with others. Real love, that's what we're talking about today. Real love, real love from God, it heals our sexual misdirection. Real love, when it comes to sex, surrenders sex to its rightful place in marriage. When we treat sex as a place for self-fulfillment, we lose out on the blessing of that what sex is supposed to be. Sex can be a place of affirmation, of the vulnerability and the commitment that can happen in marriage between naked hearts. You see, real love fulfills the sources of our sexual desire. Each one of us have God-created sexual desire. And when it's misled, God fulfills the source. He makes it everything that we need it to be. This also means that real love often looks very differently than we thought. Real love surrenders our desires to God so that he can fulfill us in holy ways. As a whole people, the way that we choose to fulfill our lives, it affects our relationship with God. But real love creates space for every single part of our lives to be vulnerable and naked before God. We can welcome him into all of life so that our relationships, especially those in marriage, can be holy. For those of you who are followers of Jesus, Jesus puts it this way. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. So for those of you who are still squirming in your seats, hoping that it will end early, I want to let you know, and I want to encourage you that God has a plan. He wants to set us free from lustful passions that have come from the constant onslaught of our society, putting sexual desire at such a high place, a place that it was never meant to carry a place where we're never satisfied. We just keep hungering for more. He has a plan to save us from a society that is full of misdirected sexual desire. For hundreds of years, we've seen how destructive misdirected sex can be, how abusive it can become, where real love, the guidance of God in sex, actually leads our full and whole humanity to more dignity. It heals. That's why I'm so glad that so many Christian groups out there have been some of the first ones to invest in uh, anti-human trafficking efforts. 
and sex trade at work. I'm so glad the church is there because it's not just about the rescue and the freedom from the actual act, but it's about the fulfillment of wholeness that God can bring in a humanity that has been so misdirected, abused, and hurt. When Jesus talks about sex and sexual desire, he's not just talking about us changing our individual behavior. This is not a sermon about putting a ton of pressure on you because your moral, personal stuff is broken and you need to be fixed. And Jesus is actually talking about sexual desire and leading us to a wholeness because Jesus is king of a whole different and amazing kingdom that he's inaugurating right now through his real love. He is the one that's leading us to a lifestyle that's completely different than our individual kingdoms. It saves us. Jesus saves us. He asks us for a full and complete surrender to discipleship, to following him, especially in the area of sex. But not just in the area of sex, because we're whole people. This area is affected by every single part of our life, and it affects every part of our life. Our mission at Mission Vineyard is to welcome Jesus into all of life. And when we say that, we mean that God's kingdom, the kingdom where Jesus is king, is the kingdom we want for our lives. We put a stake in the sand. We said, Jesus is the one we want to follow. We want to follow him in every single area of our lives. We realize how important this is because it can be so easily distracted. Just like the announcement on the speakers. As the announcement speaker ends, I want to encourage us to follow Jesus. If if those of you who want to follow Jesus, I, I want to encourage you to a simple prayer of surrendering your life. There's a weight that our society asks us to carry for 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 fulfillment. There's a weight that our society asks us to have in order to be satisfied on our own to continue to be lonely, and God has established the church for real relationships, real friendships that help fulfill a real love that God can give us, especially in in helping to address the causes of our sexual desire that God can fulfill. So there's a simple prayer. I wonder if we can put it on the screen just to say yes to Jesus. I'd like for all of us to surrender our hearts to Jesus again to be set free from all of the baggage and the burdens that our society puts on us. Would you just pray with me? Just say, Lord Jesus, I'm so sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. And would you just take a moment to welcome Jesus into all of it? God offers the kind of forgiveness that goes deeper than our physicality. It goes to our soul. It goes to our wholeness. It goes to our complete freedom and dignity as human beings. So when we say, please forgive me, there's a whole wholeness of forgiveness that is coming. And I just want to say, come Holy Spirit and breathe your forgiveness on all of us, your freedom on all of us.
And with me, would you say, I now turn from everything which I know is wrong. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And for those of you who are followers of Jesus, I would like for us to read this commitment together. You may just read it in your hearts, but I want to read it over us. Because we've come today with a lot of misdirection. And we're in need of God to completely heal and forgive us. There's a lot of text on the screen. It may be hard to read, but I want to read it over us. It may be a commitment that you want to take with you, and it's on your sheets as well. I resolve from this day on to be a full disciple of Jesus, including sexual faithfulness. If I'm married, I will do whatever I have to do to create and empower a loving, united, vulnerable, and whole relationship with them. If I'm single, I will trust that the roots of sexual desire that I have can be completely fulfilled in sexual faithfulness to God. If I've had lustful passions or been involved in a relationship or sexual practices outside of marriage, I'm going to stop them right now. If I'm involved in behavior that I can't seem to stop on my own, I'll get whatever help I need. I'll go to a professional Christian counselor. I'll be part of a small group or support group. I will not live in violation of God's standards on this anymore. I won't wound the one I've promised to love forever anymore. I'll leave this service and make whatever phone call I have to make, but it's going to stop from this day forward. This commitment is not small. This is big, and and it can affect every part of our life. It defines how we say we become whole. It defines the rightful place for sex in our lives. You may have come not with this specific burden, but with some others, emotional, physical, and spiritual. And we've got prayer teams to receive you this morning. It could be that you have a need this way. As this team continues to lead in worship, I want to encourage you to take the opportunity to receive prayer today. For whatever it is, it could be the words that we had on the screen before. We'll pull them up on again. It could be you're needing help with the rent. It could be you just need somebody to talk to our desire is that we would, this would be a place, a safe place to welcome Jesus into all of life. So please let this time be an encouragement to you to receive prayer as we worship again together. Come Holy Spirit, reach us today.
Would you stand with me? This is not everything about sex. You know that. This is not everything that God has to say. There's so much more, and if we had a whole year, the whole church would crumble because we could just talk about sex every week. Today, hopefully, was a place where we get to welcome Jesus into our sex lives, but don't let this be the end of it. If you need counseling or want to counsel, the church has wonderful resources for counseling. If in your marriage you feel like, man, we need to read a book together, we need to invest, this is something that's so important to us. There's wonderful books we can encourage you to. Amazing men's and women's groups in our church that are great places for vulnerability and acceptance no matter where you're coming from. The scriptures, Jesus himself. But don't let this be the only time that you're hearing or talking about this. Let God speak to you. Welcome him in and begin to follow him. Let him lead you to the next steps in your singleness or in your marriage when it comes to sex. And so that's what I want to bless you to. I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to be full of God's amazing real love and his full leadership to amazing, amazing sex. Amazing, greatly directed, wonderfully created in you that he would fulfill every desire you have that he would lead you fully from now on by the power of his Holy Spirit. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.